Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson and it's Friday. No, not a great Friday. Why? Because it's snow on the ground. Didn't feel good getting up to the snow, but we got a round table for you people. We got Luke Inman. We got Reggie Wilson. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. This is Locked On Sports, Minnesota's podcast network, and it's time for the round table. Locked On Sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local expert. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. As I said, this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network's Roundtable, Friday edition in the snow. We got Luke Inman. We got Reggie Wilson. It's going to be fast-paced. It's going to be fun. We're going to jump out here uh, because I, I keep talking about this Miami Dolphins team. And Skylar Thompson, they have something called Skylar mm. Thompson that's going to run the show. Back up Teddy Bridgewater if he can, if he uh, clears concussion protocol, and if he does not, I don't know what they're going to do because Tua definitely can't be the backup in this situation. So I'm hoping they have an emergency quarterback or a practice squad quarterback they can bring up Saturday or Sunday morning if they have to. But jumping out there, I've always said, you know what? I like the Miami Sharks. Like any given Sunday fans, I love the Miami Sharks. I love Al Pacino. Jamie Foxx is my Billy guy. Beeman. Bill Bellamy, LL Cool J. Like for those who don't remember that movie, Jamie Foxx was the third string quarterback. And after the main quarterback cap gets hurt, backup quarterback falls off his uh, Ferrari after one play, and Jamie Foxx has to go in. Uh, you know, it was a it was a great movie in my opinion. You don't have to love it. Mm -hmm. Lawrence Taylor, I felt like he played himself. So my question to you guys is, Skylar Thompson, what can he do to beat the Vikings or vice versa? What can the Vikings do that could they could lose this game regardless mm -hmm. of Skylar Thompson? I'll go with you first, Luke. Yeah, well, on one side, like you said, you're going up against a backup third string seventh round rookie quarterback in his first NFL start here. So, you know, Mike McDaniels, he's going to drop a game plan that kind of takes some pressure off him. He's going to design some easy throws, help him get into a rhythm, get comfortable. And that's what, if anything, worries me the most. Ed Donatel, you can't come out with that soft shell, too high look, let him complete all those early passes early on in the game and help find his footing, find his confidence. Play some press. Bring a few different looks. Mug the A-gap a few times. Dial up some pressures. Try to get him rattled early on. And if nothing else, even if you get burned a few times, at least you're going to keep him guessing and on his toes a little bit. Plus, let's not forget here, he doesn't need to do it all by himself on this offense. Two studs, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and not many teams in the league have a cover corner that can match up with either of these guys, let alone both of them. I still think you have to force Skylar Thompson to go out and prove he can make some of these big-time NFL throws. This ain't college anymore. This ain't Kansas State. You can't just give him the easy stuff and let him dink and dunk all the way down the field, play that bend but don't break, settle for three points, be aggressive. So granted, it was preseason, but this guy was the third highest quarterback of anyone in the league. 138.4 rating, five TDs, zero turnovers. PFF, if you remember coming out, kind of weirdly obsessed with this guy coming out of Kansas State. Number one quarterback, according to PFF, in multiple categories. And important to remember here, too, even though he was the slowest quarterback at the combine, ran a 4.91, he did have 26 rushing touchdowns in college. So point is, I just don't think you can overlook this guy just because he's a third-string, seventh-round rookie quarterback. And Ed Donatel specifically, I'm looking at you, don't let this guy get in a rhythm early and get comfortable. 
Yeah. So it was interesting listening to Ed Donatel yesterday talk about the defense and, you know, they got three comeback victories the last three weeks. But also you can look at that and you can say, well, the defense gave up a lot of these early leads that they had. And so Ed Donatel talked about that yesterday, talking about how, look, that's just kind of the nature of the NFL. Everybody's good. You can't underestimate anyone. You know, they want to fix some things. They want to improve, but it's just kind of what's happening right now. And I think Vikings fans probably will hear that and not think that that's the most satisfactory answer from him. Um, but I, I think it's exactly what Luke said. They can't get, you know, we saw what happened when Jamie Foxx got too much confidence as Willie Beeman. He was, you know, throwing up before football games, and then all of a sudden he got the song, my name is Willie, Willie Beeman, I keep the ladies. I'm not going to, yeah, that, we'll stop there. But the 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 crazy thing is, is he looked not great against the Jets last week. I think you and I talked about it, Luke, something like mm -hmm. a 57 QB rating, 166 mm -hmm. yards, threw a pick to Sauce, and it was had just like. Had a fumble, yeah. Yeah, had a fumble as well. That's the recipe right there. Like, he's a rookie quarterback. He can get rattled. You know, we really haven't seen a lot of rookie quarterbacks this season. You know, Kenny Pickett just kind of getting his his feet set under him. He's been a little shaky as well. Like, get after this dude, pressure him, and also press these guys. I know it's not the easiest thing to try to press people. I, I would imagine we would see a little bit more zone against guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because – I don't know if Patrick Peterson wants to necessarily press these fast guys and they get over the top of him and he's trying to recover to catch them. Um, so, you know, I can see them maybe trying to take some some deep shots or, or just take some chances with Skyler back there. But, you know, also they have a complimentary running game. Uh, Raheem Mostert, 122 yards last week. And so he he has some help. He doesn't have to do it all by himself. But when you talk about it, Luke, he can run a little bit, and then he's got these weapons on the outside with this running game. Like, they can play some complimentary football on offense that really can give the Vikings some fits. But like I said yesterday, Edge Department, what's up? Where we at? Meet at the QB. Daniil, Zadarius, Wanham, Tomlinson, you know, all these established pass rushers that they have. I'm ready to see them kind of pin their ears back and get after Skyler this weekend and make things really tough and difficult for him. And just yeah, real and quick about, here, too, before yeah. you go, Ron, too, 18 guys on the Dolphins injury report. Teron Armstead mm -hmm. was the guy who did not practice Wednesday and Thursday. So and that's missing big. not only a starting offensive tackle, but probably your best offensive lineman. Talk about meeting at the quarterback. This is the game probably to go do it. And this is the thing about Skylar Thompson, though. Don't don't be afraid to understand or, or don't get caught thinking that he won't run the ball. Thousand-yard runner in college. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he's thrown for over 7,000 yards in college. Uh, had a season of 12 touchdowns, four interceptions, 158 QBR. This kid can mm -hmm. play because in college he got it done. Now, he was a seven-round pick, but Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Not saying this kid's Tom Brady, but this is the thing about quarterbacks. The playbook was set or the play scheming was set for Teddy Bridgewater last week against the Jets. Teddy goes out. Mm -hmm. He has to come in, and he's kind of taking over Teddy. Now, this week, 
Mike McDaniels is putting an offense together for Skylar Thompson. So whether they dumb it down and they make the concepts easier, whether they say, hey, we're going to implement the run a little bit because we know you can you can move in the pocket and play action for you as a PRO, you can roll out. You have a pass first option. But then, hey, if it's not there, take off, you know, a la Aaron Rodgers back when he was in his 20s. And so Skylar Thompson, for the Vikings to lose this game, they have to get outside of their skin, meaning do too much, meaning go outside of your rush lanes because you got a rookie quarterback and you just really want to get a sack, hoping he makes a mistake. Or a DB taking a chance when you don't need to. Just be there and knock it down. Don't go for the pick if you don't have to because if you miss it and Tyreek Hill catches it, good night. It's a touchdown. Uh, gap integrity with Raheem Mostert. Don't just assume that they're going to run the ball 50 times. When you're in that gap, yep. But then if it's a play action, you got to keep going. You got to keep playing. And the DBs, you have to stay in phase. Do not get off and think, okay, uh, let me stop this run. No, trust your guys to do what they're going to do. So I think regardless of Skylar Thompson, this game for me was the weapons. You look at Tyreek Hill. Uh, you look at Jalen Waddle. Those are two receivers that are extremely fast. And you look up at Caleb Evans, he's back playing from his concussion. He looks like he's off the uh, – or he's a full participant. Uh, you're going to have everybody out there besides probably Andrew Booth Jr., but who knows what, what happens with him if he if this is his week to play finally. Um, if you look at Harrison Smith, he's back. You look at Cam Bynum, he's been healthy. So – and then Patrick Peterson's been kind of like, you know, the, 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 the balance of this. And then Cam Dantzler has been lights out. So he's going into this game with extreme swag. So – they have to understand that they're going to need help. Tyreek Hill, I mean, they learned it from the Chiefs. You cannot cover Tyreek Hill man-to-man. Don't do not no. do it. Don't get outside of your body. Don't try to no. be Superman for this game. Keep Skylar Thompson in the pocket. Let him make the mistake. If you look at last night with Carson Wentz and, and Justin Fields, that's two quarterbacks that you keep him in the pocket, game's over. Justin Fields only was successful because he started running eventually, and then they kind of got off, and he started scrambling and making moves and running around, and then guys had to kind of keep a guy and spy him. When they didn't spy him and they went man, he he, he gashed him for 10, 15 yards a, a pop on the runs. So he that's the same thing with Skylar Thompson. Keep him in the pocket. Like Don't, don't let him move around. Let him keep him in the pocket, put pressure on him, make him throw sooner than he wants to throw, and the Vikings win this game. But moving yeah, on. real quick, hey, just yep. real quick, Ron, to that great point, by the way. And remember, Brian Asamoah finally played last week. He played about eight, ten snaps, and pretty much all of them, he played quarterback spy. He just sat there and watched Justin Fields, mirrored him. I expect him probably to do the same. And and good point about Skyler coming out. This dude can play. Don't let the seventh round pick fool you, because coming out, he was twenty five years old, twenty four. He's twenty five now, so he was very old. That's the reason he fell. And then he very had two old. Major <laughs> Yeah, right. So old. Yeah, collecting Social Security already, 25. And then remember, he had two big injuries coming out too. In 2020, on his throwing shoulder, and 2021, on his knee. Those are the reasons he fell in the seventh round, not because he couldn't play. So good points there too. Coming up, we're breaking down the keys to the Gophers game this Saturday versus Illinois. But first... Vikings currently 14-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Three-point favorites in Miami this Sunday versus the Dolphins. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with BetOnline, BetOnline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, MLB, NBA, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net. 
It's where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective on superior sports talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review or... Find our videos on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app and enjoy all our content and daily shows for free at your fingertips any day, anytime. Moving on now to P.J. Fleck and the Gophers going against Brett Bielema and his Illinois fighting Illini. This is a this is a comp- competition of two top defenses i expressed earlier in the week illinois has only given up three touchdowns and nine field goals the ghosts are giving up five touchdowns this is two defenses that are not bend but don't break these are i'm not gonna break i'm gonna impose my will on you we had tyler newbin on the pj flex show and he talked about that he talked about and then i had a chance to sit down with him for a good 45 minutes and he talked about imposing his will physically not verbally he's not going to go out there and rah 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 you and talk you to death he's going to go out there and play with intensity and energy and i said how do you get the guys to play behind you and follow you into a house like illinois into somebody else's house where it's going to be loud and he said you know what i'm going to come out there with the juice with the energy uh it's all about our response we lost to purdue how do we respond this game i can't wait to see his response because when you look at illinois it's a team that wants to run the ball and then pass every once in a while. This is a safety in the box's dream. This is a game you grew up playing when you had on like mittens and winter hats and coats and you and your friends had a small spot of grass and it was just line up and let's run through each other and tackle each other and then let's go in and have some of mom's spaghetti. Because, I mean, that's this is what this is, or, or chili or soup, whatever you guys did in the winter. But this is one of those games where it's going to be ground and pound on both sides. Mo Ibram should be back. So when you look at the Illinois keys to the game, what's a realistic ceiling for the Gophers? So one, let's start with this question first. How do the Gophers beat Illinois? Like what's the keys to the game for Illinois versus Wisconsin? Let's start with you, Reggie. So funny, Illinois a couple seasons ago had, they, they, they flipped us. Mizzou had a defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, right? And he left Coach Drink and that staff to go join Coach Bielema at, at Illinois. And it was just like, really? What are you doing? Why would you leave? It's like, it, it felt like a lateral move. It felt like a step down, honestly. Right now, Mizzou is struggling. Right now, Illinois is 5-1. and one. I would say he knew something that maybe we didn't. That's just a shameless Mizzou plug there because as you see on my Twitter, they're dead to me. Uh, Minnesota, I don't know if they overlooked Purdue. I don't know if Purdue caught them flat-footed, but coming off of that exhilarating win over Michigan State, it was just like, man, this Minnesota team can do anything. And then the the loss to Purdue was just kind of head-scratching. I kind of see them getting back to what they did against Michigan State, against Illinois. For one, I don't necessarily believe in Illinois. Anytime where you have to be that one-dimensional on offense, and and we know Billima's, you know, history in the Big Ten, 
with with teams having those Wisconsin teams right there at the end in Rose Bowl contention. But this is Illinois. This is a little bit different. I don't know if I believe that they're just going to continue to just ground and pound and, and you know, gut this out. This game on Sunday or on Saturday is going to be like 12 to 7 or something like that. I, I don't know about that. I could see Minnesota kind of getting back to what they were doing prior to the Purdue game where, you know, they're establishing the run. You know, we talk so much about Mo, but we can't forget about Trey Potts either. You know, them continuing to establish that run and get things going in the play action with Tanner Morgan working with Sharaka again and just kind of getting that thing going. I think if they can continue to establish the run and if Illinois is going to be one-dimensional, go get it. Go after them. Be aggressive against the run and, and see if they can beat you through the air, which it, it just kind of remains to be seen. So I think just stick it to the game plan. I don't know what happened in that Purdue game. That was just kind of bizarre to me that, that they were losing to them just because of how good that they had looked all the way up until that point. But if they don't mirror that performance and they get back to who they have been up until that point, I think they'll be okay against Illinois. I actually think they can roll this weekend. Yeah, I, I think what happened against Purdue is you saw just how much of an X factor, how good Mo Ibrahim is. I mean, point blank, he's your best player. So you saw how sluggish Gophers offense looked without him in the backfield. He's a guy that just changes the entire game for the Gophers and what you can do offensively. He takes so much pressure off Tanner Morgan. He forces defenses to wrap up and tackle. He's such a fast physical runner. Having him back in the lineup, I think you see this offense move the ball like we saw earlier in the season when they were lighting up the scoreboards but you know I look at this Illinois team I mean it's just no joke 24th ranked team in the nation for a reason five and one five game winning streak they love to run the ball too they average almost 200 yards on the ground with Chase Brown great offensive line Chase Brown number one running back in the nation in rushing yards with 879 so Gophers defense gonna have to play team football get back to fundamentals just good old-fashioned wrap-up team tackling and kind of interesting to note Gophers six and two versus the spread versus Illinois in their last eight games the spread is gophers by six and a half feels like a lot to me after what we saw versus purdue but again this team's just completely different ball club when mo's in the lineup versus when he's not and now he's coming off two full weeks of rest i think the gophers bounce back in this one kind of get their confidence back a little bit get a little swag back move to five and one keep those high hopes alive for the season with what we all know a huge game versus penn state and death valley looming next week real quick is look the Gophers had like four or five different running backs, you know, contributing last year, going over 100 yards a game last year, even without Mo, even without Trey. I understand Mo's greatness. I know that Mo is the X factor, but does it all have to rely on how good he is in the game if, in order for this offense to, to do well? Because I feel like, you know, with Sharaka being back, with Tanner, like maybe they could do a little bit more with the passing game. Maybe they can not that not necessarily that is plug and play with the running backs, but I feel like they found productivity with a lot of different running backs last year because of the injuries to Mo and Trey. Can they not replicate that even with Mo not being at a hundred percent or not being in there as much as maybe you would think he would be? Uh, no, they can't. 
Uh, when you look okay. at Kai Thomas and uh, Bucky Irvin, those were the two hundred-yard <laughs> running backs they had. Those guys both transferred. I think Kai's at Kansas or somewhere, and then Bucky went to Oregon. Um, so when you think about those two, they were explosive. They were jitterbugs. They were different. Uh, Bryce Williams definitely played last year, and Trey Potts played last year, but different backs. Trey Potts, it feels like he's always trying to break one, so he doesn't ever just hit the hole sometimes. He bounces. And then mm. Bryce Williams, when he hits the hole and he does get the edge because he had the edge against Purdue, he doesn't have that second gear. Bucky had a gear. Uh, Kai Thomas definitely had a gear. And then we know Mo has a gear. Like, he didn't have it. Like, you saw the gear last night, I think um, – uh, the running back for the Redskins, or sorry, Washington Commanders, he hit a second gear, and then also Herbert hit a second gear when they both got to the outside. Um, it, it just, it's not there. It, Bryce doesn't have mm. that, like, that that second, like, you know, it, it's not like a Ferrari where he can drop gears. You know, he's more like a Ford Taurus. Mm. He's gonna, he's dependable. He's big. It's like Ford a, a Ford Explorer. Like, oh, let's go to Explorer. I go to Ford Explorer. He's dependable. <laughs> it works. It's a family value car. Gets you to A to B. Good gas mileage. This is what college football is about. That's why it's so much fun is because you never know in college football. Like, Alabama might lose to Tennessee this weekend, and I'm looking forward to it because then every all hell is going to break loose when it comes to this voting yeah. stuff now because they're, they're going to want mm -hmm. Alabama in it. But then it's like, crap, how do we get Alabama in this? We got to cheat. And they're going to figure out a way to cheat. We got to cheat. Get, get Alabama <laughs> back in there. Like, Alabama might be ranked 12th, and they're going to be like, nope, Alabama, you're fourth. You're in this. I don't care what anybody says. And they're going to run out of there. Like, the, And then they're going to, like, Jamie, they're going to, uh, Dave Chappelle, it. like, when they go interview them, they're all going to knock over a glass of water and run. Like, please the fifth. Like, I don't care. Alabama's in this. Um, but, but that's what I'll say about the running game. And Mo warmed up. Like, Mo was dressed, warming up. I watched him during warm-ups. We had him on camera during warm-ups. And he tried to go. P.J. Flex said this on the P.J. Flex show. If he were to have another 24 to 48 hours, he probably would have played. It was they, mm. they just weren't too sure right then and there that this was worth it. And they were hoping to get through Purdue. But at the end of the day, P.J. Flex, like, it's not, it's not about always trying to just win. Like, we, want, we don't want to put Mo out there, hurt him in order just to feel like we're going to win this game. If we don't win, we don't deserve to win because all these other guys are on scholarship too. So I, I appreciate that because they know Mo has a bright future with the NFL. If you screw up a kid's life twice, um, mm -hmm. and not to say they did mm -hmm. it, but if you screw up his life uh, because you put him back on the field too soon, look at how everybody's chastising Mike McDaniels. That weighs heavily on a coach when he puts a player in the line of fire at risk and he's injured. So I think PJ's just doing the right thing and saying, you know what? Look, if you're not really ready to go, like, are you 100%? No, 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 no. Let's keep him out. Trainers kept him out. Moe's like, all right, fine. I'm fine with it. And he stayed out there as a leader, kept his uniform on. You know, he could have put his helmet down and went and changed clothes and, you know, did the whole deal. But he, he was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stick this thing out. I'm going to be a team player. And then we'll see him hopefully against Illinois. Um, and, but looking and that at the was a huge surprise, though, too, Ron. Like, nobody knew up until, like, oh, my gosh, it's the first series. Why isn't Mo out there, right? Like, nobody – like, in the NFL, you got Adam Schefter and nine insiders hours before the game reporting all that stuff, you know. And, and right. in college, it's a little bit different, right? So um, that truly was, like you said, a game-time decision, and nobody really knew, even the coaching staff, until those last few hours, it sounds like. Real quick, I got to ask you, how big of an impact and loss has Chris Ottman-Bell been for this offense? Because because you talk about, you know, versus Purdue, you lose, obviously, your number one running back. 
And then, you know, the loss of your number one receiver going into the season two now, how big of a loss has that been? Because I feel like that kind of got brushed under the rug a little bit. Like, well, we're a running team. We play good defense. Yeah, obviously that hurts. That sucks. But, you know, we'll be okay. I feel like that has had something to do with maybe their struggles or inconsistencies on offense uh, versus Purdue as well. No? Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to say that because I know Daniel Jackson has done well. Now they've been using the mm-hmm. span forward a little bit more, but this is what I say to Chris yeah. Altman Bell. Chris Altman Bell is a safety blanket for Tanner Morgan. He's a guy mm-hmm. that when Tanner's under pressure and, and probably that's why some of the, I mean, one of the interceptions for sure was just, I'm going to throw it up and, and I'm, you know, guys in my face. Mm-hmm. I hope somebody catches it. Chris Altman Bell usually tries to get in the way. He's always going to go after the ball. I saw it, you know, face-to-face, close-up at, at Indiana last year. Uh, both of his touchdowns were in the end zone, one right in front of me. And he – I mean, he does attack the ball. He do, You know, he'll pull through guys if the ball's in the air. So Tanner Morgan has had the luxury of being able to do that with him where he can just throw it up sometimes even and hope Chris can get to the ball and make a play. Um, Dalen Wright's not that guy. Uh, Daniel Jackson is just learning, but he's not that red zone guy. So I, I will say from a red zone standpoint, a guy he knows he can count on in the back of the end zone sometimes, a fade route guy that probably wins 75% of the time, he doesn't have that. So, yeah, he struggled there. As far as true passing, uh, I'm not sure it's too bad because, again, he's not a deep threat. He's not going to take the top off. Uh, you're not missing speed, but you are missing that physicality, that that mm-hmm. that guy that's going to go make a play, make a big catch for you, the, the captain. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they 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 definitely are missing that spark. Like when there needed to be a spark, normally in a game like that, ten to twenty, Chris Hartman Bell's the guy to get you a spark, get the team going, get right. the offense going. So yeah, so they're definitely missing that spark. But him and Mo together, that's tough. So if you can get one of them mm-hmm. out there, which happened last year, you had Chris. Uh, now you not you need to get Mo back. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the nature of the beast. Like you gotta somebody has to step up and be that spark of that team and so when we talk about sparks of this team you look at the remainder of the schedule purdue or sorry penn state iowa wisconsin are kind of the hard ones and now illinois of course is a hard one so you got four hard ones uh left and then you look at the other ones not to say they're easy wins but you know that 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 west is not the toughest uh we look at some of the other teams but when you look at what's the ceiling for the gophers right now uh before they play illinois for the rest of the season then we'll go with you reggie Honestly, that that Penn State game is probably the the biggest one that if I am a fan, that concerns me, which is why that Purdue game just uh like you got to get that because I was looking at this season, I'm like if they don't go undefeated, they at least probably play Penn State tough and maybe they get a loss there. But if they ended up getting a loss against Penn State. Now you're talking about a two-loss team, and now that kind of affects things moving forward. So I I, I think the Purdue game probably was a bit of a wake-up call for them, and I can see them not rolling, but I can see them getting wins in the rest of the games that they have this season. That Penn State game, though, is going to be tough. But we know, like, Penn State, especially under James Franklin, like, they can be beat. And so if if they come out there, like I said, I keep going back to this Michigan State game because I'm like, man, that was like some of the best football that we've seen out of the Gophers against a team that well, is really supposed to be relevant. They paid Mel Tucker a lot of money for Michigan State to be relevant because 
of what they did last season. And so I think if they could come out there and and replicate a similar game plan against Penn State, we do know that Penn State is a talented, talented football team, but they've almost lost before this season. So, like, they are beatable. And so I think if, if you go out there and and play them, you can make it make it a game. But I think that they could they could run the table the rest of the way if they really play how they're supposed to and and really you know take this west. Yeah, they could certainly they could. Yeah, if everybody's healthy, if Mo's back, feeling good, I still think ten and two is the realistic ceiling. I, I I'm going to be very curious to see, assuming the Gophers win this week, they're six and a half point favorites. What the line is when they go travel to Penn State, because they're 10th ranked team in the country. I'm curious to see, is it Penn State by a field goal? Is it by a touchdown? Is it in double digits? I'm curious to see what the odds makers in Vegas views the Gophers heading into Death Valley like that. But yeah, I still think 10 and two is the realistic ceiling, which is still, oh my God, you say that at the beginning of the year, still a great season too. So we'll see how they take care of business this week. I think coming off that Purdue loss, like Reggie said, and then going into a bye, a big wake up call. And then you get, you know, basically two weeks to kind of sit there and find your footing and regain your confidence a little bit. I think they come out this week against Illinois and really start to get some momentum back. Then you got that momentum going into Death Valley. That should be a great matchup. When you look at this, this, team the Penn State game honestly I mean it's it's key crucial for momentum for just who we are um but this is what I'll say it doesn't matter because they're in the east when it comes to the west standings my ceiling for them is of course the Big Ten championship versus Ohio State or Michigan if Michigan can beat Penn State they really continue to show they are one of the better teams if Penn State loses to Michigan that knocks them down a peg hopefully then when they face the Gophers maybe they have some doubt and the Gophers can find a way to just win out in Happy Valley, quiet that whiteout crowd, 6.30 p.m., so everybody in the world is going to be watching ABC. It's going to be absolutely like electric. And so when you think about that, and you think about where – like it's MPJ Flex hands, and that's my ceiling for them. It's, it's right there for the taking, but they need Tanner Morgan to play – better than he's played in some of these games you look at completion percentage he's doing well 68.5 percent he's only been in the in the end zone for passing those seven times which is tied for 11th in the big 10 there's only 14 mm. teams so he has to do that when you look at on the on the uh on the other side of uh offensive tds for passing of course you got ohio state at 25 you and then it's a huge drop after that because he goes Wisconsin at four 14 sorry so Iowa or Ohio State has 11 more touchdowns in the passing game than the next closest team in the Big Ten, which speaks to like what the Big Ten is about. You got 14, 15, 13, 12, 11, 11, nines, and then some sevens. And then, of course, the bottom of the barrel is Iowa with two passing touchdowns where they should be in the basement. And so if you think about that and what the <laughs> Big Ten is made of, Ohio State is an enigma. But you live by the pass and you die by the pass. Can Ohio State run the ball? Because if Michigan says, you know what? Screw this. We're going to play cover six. We're going to keep everybody back. We're going to play quarter, quarter, half. We're going to half, you know, half field this side because of the short side of the field. So I know my safety can get over. The wide side of the field, we're going to run quarters. We're going to keep the linebackers underneath. We're going to keep our corners and safety back. You figure out how to beat us. You're going to have to dink and dot, dot, you know, dink and dunk us for 17 plays. And that's what Michigan did to Ohio State last year. And so if they can do it again with C.J. Stroud and confuse him, that's something he hasn't seen. Teams have been playing him straight up. I don't know why, but they've been playing him straight up, letting Marvin Harrison Jr. get behind him. And then it comes down to the winner of those two games. Those two games, though, Michigan-Ohio State and then the Minnesota-Iowa-Wisconsin games are going to decide who's going to be a big-time championship. Iowa's not going to be there. Let me get that out the way. 
But that's going to – like, Illinois is going to be watching those last two weeks for the Gophers big time because they're like, you know what? If the Gophers can't beat Iowa-Wisconsin, we are in this. It's ours. This, this season is ours for the taking. But, again, the Big Ten has done crazier things. We've seen the number one teams get knocked off. So, season's not over, but my ceiling for them is still the Big Ten championship because it's only been one game. It feels bad to lose, but it's only been one game. Next hey, up, real quick before you move on, yep. that was a great point. This seems like kind of a magical season, so to speak, compared to where the Gophers have been the last few years. Is this kind of it? Like, like what does 2023 look like for the Gophers? Is it going to be a huge transition? Are they going to lose a bunch of key guys? Is the way the schedule lined up this year and looking at both divisions and the conference, is this kind of do or die time for PJ Fleck and this team to, if they're going to go on a run, this has got to be the year to try to go, you know, 11 and 1, 10 and 2, something like that? Yeah, this is the year, but also Ethan Calamantis coming in next year. I mean, he's a, a blue chipper, four-star kid out of out of Illinois, uh, okay. Gatorade Player of the Year. So I I really do believe like this is a this is definitely a year. It's it's his for the taking. Okay. But Ethan mm -hmm. Calamantis coming in next year, you're gonna have some more recruits coming in. PJ's got a good recruiting class. You're gonna have some linemen. John Michael Schmidt's gonna be gone, but they're gonna have to fill that. But you're gonna have some some more linemen coming in that are gonna get a chance to play. It's gonna be a transition. It's gonna be a new look Gophers offense. But I truly believe with Mo Ibrahim leaving, Ethan Calamantis mm -hmm. taking over the big kid. I mean, he's gonna become a throwing type guy. You look at all the young receivers they're gonna have. Um, I, I, and Chris Altman-Bell is probably coming back for a seventh year. I think mm -hmm. this is going to become more of a passing style team. I mean, you know, if you look at like the Eric Decker uh, kind of – oh, no, no, sorry, the the the, the Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman era yeah. when it was like, hey, we're going to throw the ball and then we're going to run it every once in a while. I, I feel like that's coming back, and, 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 and I know Kirk Shiraka, you don't come back here knowing you have a quarterback for one year. You come back because you're like, wait a minute. This Ethan right. Calamantis kid is good. Like, okay, let's let's see what we can do with this, PJ. Like, I think the next three years, I can turn this, you know, we can turn this kid into something special. And so, I, mm. you know, he has the NFL-style body. Like, I think that's what they're looking at. But, yeah, this is definitely a year. I mean, when you look at Iowa-Wisconsin being down, that doesn't happen often. Uh, right. I can't remember the last time Iowa or Wisconsin fired a, co a coach. You know, most of the coaches usually mm -hmm. leave or retire. Um, so the Wisconsin to be in the spot they're in Iowa because daddy and son, he doesn't want to fire his son. He's going <laughs> to so, make it a break it year, but it's definitely the year. Like you have to beat Iowa, Wisconsin and you're in the big Ten. We're in Indianapolis. Like we're, we're doing this podcast from Indianapolis on Friday before the Saturday yeah. championship game. So, yeah. you know, I, I think <laughs> that's the key. I think that's the key to this. Love it. <laughs> but when we look at the basket, let's go to basketball. You think about Carl Anthony Towns. You think about all the things that this team could be with Rudy Gobert. You think about Ann Edwards being the new face of the team. Uh, you know, he's in the movie with uh, with Adam Sandler, with Bo Cruz, you know, personality out the yin-yang. Um, they're 4-0 in the preseason. I Honestly, I'm going to throw mine out there. I don't care. Like, preseason does not matter. It literally doesn't. Players are just getting their feet under them. It's, it, that's like playing pickup ball at Lifetime Fitness and thinking, okay, because we went 4-0, we're doing something. No. Like, you don't know what you're going to get out of this team. But I will say that it is a positive step in the right direction. But we'll start with you, Luke. What do you think about this team starting off 4-0, and what can this season be for them? Yeah, I mean, fun to see them obviously start 4-0. But like you said, it's the preseason. We haven't seen their full arsenal yet. We still don't know exactly how Chris Finch is going to deploy this big four in the starting five, I don't think. And that's okay. Like, the preseason time to see what you've got, see some of your role guys, depth pieces, and... You know, I got to be honest, Reggie and I brought this up yesterday on the Superior Sports Show. 
I've been pretty impressed with their depth and bench thus far. Nas Reed just won't go quietly into the night. Everybody, you know, assumed, all right, he's going to be the odd man out now that they got Rudy, they got Cat, kind of got the short end of the stick there with that trade. But he's been a tank, man. 22 points Wednesday versus the Lakers, 11 boards. He's been doing that all preseason, though, all four games. Jalen Noel, fourth on the team in points per game. Nas Reed, second on the team in rebounds. Jordan McLaughlin, second on the team in assists per game and steals. So, all the attention is obviously on the big four and the starting five, and rightfully so. But it's been some of these depth pieces that I've been most impressed with that makes me think, okay, maybe it's not as top-heavy of a team as people think. And having some role guys be able to step up during certain parts of games is just going to be awfully nice for Chris Finch, especially during the early parts of the season. While I think this team kind of needs a few weeks to kind of figure out their chemistry and what they want their identity to look like. Because as we've said all offseason, once they made that big trade, uh, it's like, okay, the NBA is zigging. Well, the T-Wolves are zigging. They're going big. Everybody else is going small ball. But does it take a few weeks to kind of find their footing and figure out what they want their identity to be? Probably. I think that's realistic. Yeah, look, I think I mentioned this yesterday. After the showing from Nas Reed, Jalen Noel, like, look, I, I get you, Ron. There's not a whole bunch to maybe glean from these preseason wins, but I do think that there's something to to glean from some of these performances that we've seen. I think the bench piece was something that a lot of people were a little concerned about after they, you know, traded for Rudy Gobert because they gave up a lot of pieces that were an integral part of this team last year. You look at the minutes that guys like Vando got. You know, you look at Bev and and the leader that he was leading them to, you know, that play-in game and that first-round playoff series against Memphis. Like, these were some key pieces that they ended up letting go. You know, you draft a, a big seven-footer, and within a week you let him go, Walker Kessler, after you, you know, talk about how his grandfather played at U of M for the Gophers and all this stuff, and, and you get rid of all of that. But then you bring in guys like, Brent Forbes, slow-mo, Kyle Anderson. Love his game, by the way. I think he's going to be a key piece off the bench in that second unit. And then, you know, hold over guys like Nas Reed and uh, Jalen Noel, which, you know, Finch talked about how much he was really hoping to see them take another step. And Nas Reed talked about it the other night about how he's just really been putting in a lot of work over the summer, you know, getting that work in with guys like Jaden McDaniels, who – also wants to take a, a step forward this year. I think when you look at some of this depth, you know Austin Rivers is going to be solid. He's been who you expect him to be throughout his career, which is just, you know, a solid guy who can come in in that second unit and help be a spark. You know, he talked about replacing a guy like Patrick Beverly. He's a different guy than Bev. He's not going to be a rah-rah, rah you up, you know, sometimes crazy person out there on the court. But he's a guy that comes up there and it's just a consummate professional. He can knock down threes. He can get guys in, in position. And he really wants you to know that he can play defense. And that's really what he's going to be trying to do when he's in the game. Austin Rivers is going to be trying to establish on the defensive end to help be a catalyst on the other end of the floor for some of the other guys. And so I think when you look at this team, Anthony Edwards looks – Really, it's funny he says he's in much better shape than he's been, but he's beefy. Like, he's a little bit more beefed up than we've seen him, but he still looks like he has that same bounce. The shot looks improved. He's going to be a problem this season, going along with Cat and Rudy. 
my X factor, and I have a story coming out uh, next week about this, is D'Lo. D'Lo is going to be the guy coming into this contract year. He's just cool, calm, and collected, new dad. He just kind of really has like a zen about him. You know, I know he played with Kobe. It's it's a little Kobe-esque. I'm not saying that he's Kobe. Please don't get that misconstrued. <laughs> but I, I think he has a he has a, a zen about him coming into this year where he he's just kind of in control of who he is and very secure of where he's at, knowing what he's he's doing. Like this will be the first time really in his career that he's played more than two seasons with the team. And it's it's something like two and a half after this year. But this is him playing for a contract year. All these players kept talking about, and Finch even, about how this trade for Rudy Gobert really impacts D'Lo the most because, you know, he's a guy that plays well off a of pick and roll. He's coming off a season where he had career high in assists last year. And so, you know, he had a, a nice game as well the other night against the Lakers, 15 points. And I think he looks like a guy who is in control of his game and a guy that could possibly go to the next level. So, like, I'm not drinking all of the Kool-Aid, you know, like maybe we need to add a little bit more sugar in there to, to make it, you know, a little bit more palatable. But I do think they have, like, the, the makings of something that can be special, especially, too, like Luca Garza. I know he was brought in to just be kind of like a depth piece. But if he could have some type of production on the floor out there as, like, a stretch big, you know, in a, a second unit or just be in that rotation, like, it could possibly be scary hours with this Timberwolves team because you know that the expectations are going to be high for that starting five. You know, adding Jaden McDaniels in there, being able to knock down a corner three, make some of these hustle plays that really kind of keep possessions going and things like that. But if they can get the type of production from the bench that we've seen in the preseason or at least something close to that, that could be a, a recipe for success for this Timberwolves team finally trying to get out of the first round of the playoffs this year. And, and D'Lo's on an expiring contract, right? Uh, this is kind of right. This is the contract right? year so for him. He's yeah. kind of the wild card of the uh, of the big four, if you will. And this is what I'll say to this: You look at the four guys that are going to really matter to this team, and mainly three: Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. I hate to say it, I'm all for role players, I'm all for bench players, but in the NBA, if your stars aren't doing, getting it done, it's not going to work, period. I don't care how good right. your bench is, I don't care how good your seventh man, your eighth man, your stars have to get it done. The reason why LeBron and Miami Heat won is because LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. The reason why the Lakers won is because of Kobe and Shaq. The reason why the Pistons won, and this is the one X factor that people forget, Chauncey Billups was a killer. Chauncey Billups oh, yeah. was a killer. You look at Tayshawn Prince, killer. You look at Rip mm -hmm. Hamilton, killer. And then what did Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace have to do? Just play. Be tough. Get rebounds. Be strong. Help them out. But those three, Tayshawn Prince, uh, Rip Hamilton, and Chauncey Billups were killers. And so that's what Carl Anthony Towns, I, I, I hope now with a big behind him, he can go out and be the guy he wants to be. He's always wanted to be the stretch. He's always wanted to be the shooter, but people kept saying, put your back to the mm -hmm. basket. We need you down there for defense. We need you to guard the big. He doesn't have to do that anymore. He can guard mm -hmm. the four. He can guard a three every once in a while if he has to. But now he can stretch the floor because Rudy Gobert wants to be under the basket. Rudy Gobert wants to play pick and roll. Rudy Gobert wants to play pick and pop. Carl Anthony Towns can stretch like Kevin Love. 
He can do what he wants to do. And so he's been begging for this. He's been crying for this ever since Calipari told him, dude, you're seven feet. Get your ass under the basket. Like, get under the basket. He, he didn't like it at Kentucky, but he did it. And now he's getting what he asked for. And I've always been told by my grandma, be careful of what you ask for because you just might get it. <laughs> like, I love that one on the internet talking about F around and find out. If you F around 10, you're going to find out times 10. <laughs> he's about to find out what it is to be a stretch for. It's going to come down to towns, how Rudy Gobert plays underneath. Can they both stay out of foul trouble? Can Anthony Edwards be a guy? Can he dunk on people? Can he be, a, can he be accurate from deep? Not like make a couple every once in a while, have a couple high. Accurate. Can he be a Clay Thompson for this team? Not a Steph, because nobody can be Steph. But can he be a Clay Thompson? Can he be accurate? Can he be Jordan Poole even from the three? Like, just be accurate. And then you look at D'Lo like you bought up. He just has to not screw it up. Like, just don't yeah. screw it up. Like, just play your game. If you have to take a big shot, take a big shot. But at the end of the game, don't be trying to show us that ice vein. Get it to Anthony Edwards. Get it to Carl Anthony Towns. Now, if they double those guys and you're wide open, take the shot to win the game. But D'Lo does not have to do anything besides facilitate. Bring the ball up the court. Work that pick and roll with your big. Work on your pocket pass. Work on your no-look pass. And then work on that floater mm -hmm. layup on fast breaks that turns into an alley-oop to Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, or Ann Edwards. Like, that's going to be his game. He should have eight to nine to, you know, eight to nine assists per game with those guys. Like, there's no reason you shouldn't dump it down every chance you get. I love watching Doc Rivers with uh, James Harden talking about that. Hey, mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you got Joel Embiid, I want you to get it. But, hey, I want you to get yours too. But don't be afraid to work the post. And James Harden's like, yep, I'm trying to work the post, coach. I'm working on it, blah, blah. Like, he's teaching them. Like, I know you can be a killer. I know you can shoot. Be a facilitator every once in a while and watch how good we be, we, we're going to be. Like, that's why LeBron – people hate LeBron for how he passes. But if LeBron didn't pass the way he did, the Miami Heat don't win. Ray mm -hmm. Allen doesn't go off. Dwayne Wade doesn't mm -hmm. go off. So that's that's where D'Lo needs to come in. Those four, Jaden McDaniels, yeah, be a player. You have to be a guy. But those four have to be elite at least 75% of the time they're on the floor. Some of these games we know. It's 82. We know you're not going to get it every night. Michael Jordan was one of the few. Kobe Bryant's one of the few. We'll never see that again. But those four have to be good. And now the last one. Jumping out to uh, Carlos Correa makes a comment about opting out but not afraid to come back to Minnesota. Uh, let's start with you, Luke. What do you think about his comments about that? He's opting out, but he's, he said, I'm willing to come back to Minnesota if, if, if the money's right. Yeah, I mean, we all know it's not really the twin style to go, you know, bust out the blank check and say, hey, just tell us what you want. R write down the number, whatever you want. In fact, when they signed Correa originally, it was obviously a huge surprise to begin with. So now he's basically saying, okay, I'll come back, but you're going to have to get in a bidding war. I don't think that ends well for either party, to be honest. Twins, you know, they probably don't want to get in a bidding war, first and foremost. And Correa coming off the year he had. I'm not sure he's really in a huge position here to ask for much more than the 35 he made last year, to be honest. 291 average, 22 home runs, only 65 RBIs. I'm not so sure I want to pay this guy that much more money, to be honest. I think I'd rather see them divvy that money up, go get a few more solid guys, a hitter or two, another pitcher or two. Who knows? Maybe he hits the market and he finds out the market maybe isn't as hot as he thought it would be. He's certainly got the name brand value, but I don't expect the Twins front office to get in that bidding war, though. So maybe a one and done for Carlos Correa in Minnesota. It's certainly on the table, and the Twins could use that money elsewhere. Again, they can divvy that up, still get some solid guys. 
35 million back in your pocket. I mean, that's a big chunk of change. I mean, you can go get two, three core foundational pieces there. Maybe not the name brand of a Carlos Correa, you know, a one and done for Carlos Correa in Minnesota, certainly on the table. And I'm not so sure that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I think if if I was a betting man, Carlos Correa is out of there. You know, it was nice. It was a fun experiment. It was all great. You know, it's going to bring this championship level pedigree to the team. All that. Okay, yeah, it's done. That, that was that was fun while it lasted. I don't see them getting into any type of bidding war with anybody else. And And quite honestly, like, I wouldn't blame them. His production this past year, 291, 22 home runs, 64, only 64 RBI. Like, that's a guy that's not necessarily impacting the game how you brought him here to do it. And I'm never for any for counting anybody's pockets, but you bring a guy here for 35 mil, like he should be the best player on the team, and he was not this past season. And so I think it's, it's also a little bit disingenuous, I feel like. He talked about how – you know, he wanted to be a twin for a long time and all this stuff. And then now all of a sudden that the season didn't go how you guys wanted it to go. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, you got to pay to play, baby. You know, I mean, I'm I'm the prize. I'm, I'm him. And it's just like, come on, dude. Like, okay, that's fine. Not, not that he should take any type of discounts or anything like that. But, you know, maybe opt in another year. This wasn't necessarily the season probably that he wanted to have either. Maybe opt in another year, try to run it back and see if he can do better than what he did this past season. But I think in my heart of hearts, I think he's done. And if he is, just go out there and get another arm because he's going to probably be looking at uh, a 10-year plus deal. That's probably what it is. He's like, look, last season wasn't necessarily the best for me. But I'm still young. I'm still at an age that they're giving out these 10-year, $300 million contracts. So, like, what's up? Pay me. Pay me. And we'll see if any team takes the bait on that because, you know, he is still a, a top-tier defensive shortstop. But, you know, I, I think he just left a little bit to be desired at the plate this past season. And it's funny. You get him outside of Houston. Houston is back looking like a World Series-type contender team without Correa. And now I think you really kind of see what his value was. Like he wasn't necessarily like a key cog in that, in that, well, he was a key cog, but he wasn't the main guy for the Astros. You look at guys like Altuve and some of the pitching that they had is maybe being like the guy Bregman. He was a great piece in their championship years. Other, you know, also with the trash cans that they were banging on, but I digress, but I think, he showed himself to be a key piece, but not necessarily like the main piece. And now when you come here and, and come come here to Minnesota and he's like a featured piece, now you kind of see that he wasn't necessarily the guy that maybe you wanted him to be. And so I think he has still a lot to prove. I just don't know that he's going to get the type of payday from the twins that he's looking for. So I think it's pretty much a one and done for him here. Yeah, and this, and this is what I'll say to that. You never know what money, you never know what coaches are thinking, but the Twins will never be truly solid and good until they go out and spend a lot of money. I mean, I hate to say it, when you look at the Yankees, uh, you, you look at the Dodgers, like, you got to spend money. Like, you have to. Look at the Astros. Like, they did it. They cheated, but they did it. 
Like you gotta go get you whether it's a top pitcher like a Verlander, you like you gotta go get it when you look at who the free agents are, who are guys out there like you know shortstop. You gotta look at age. You know, twenty nine years old Trey Turner. You look at Dansby Swanson, twenty eight point seven. Uh, you know, years old. You look at Jose Iglesias, thirty two, a little bit older, but. You got to look at age when you're also looking at these free agents. And then what position are you really going to go after? Like, is it going to be pitcher? Is it going to be um, shortstop? Are you looking for the best hitter? I mean, I'm going through these free agents for this coming year, and that's unrestricted free agents, not these player options, club options, all that, because then you get into a, a weird situation where you got to match, blah, blah. But, I mean, even for the pitchers, there's not a lot out there right now. Like, there's not. Like, there's not a ton of – of, of, of assets out there that are going to be unrestricted free agents that are just like, I'm on the market looking. I mean, and this is right now, though. We know as more player age, you know, more player options are, are ex exercised and mm -hmm. all this stuff, it's going to, you know, the market's going to creep in as the playoffs go through. But as of right now, if I'm a GM and I'm looking at what's on my table, because my season's done. So I don't care about the playoffs as much. I mean, I'm going to watch it because I just want to watch it. But I don't care. I, I want to see... What's out there is I start devising a plan. I start scheduling visits. I start reaching out to agents about, hey, is there a chance this guy wants to be in Minnesota in October with their snow on the ground? I don't know. Like, imagine – I can't imagine trying to play a, a playoff baseball game right now in Minnesota with 32 degrees and snow. Like, that is not – baseball in October. I don't care what you say that there should have been some kind of retractable dome over target field, but that's a totally different story. When we jump out here for one last one and I'm going to say to Carlos Correa, I, 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 I think he's a Selena Gomez fan like that, that are you, if you're ready, come and get it. Like that's, that's what it felt like to me. Feel like he's a Selena Gomez fan. That's the first thing that popped in my head when I heard that quote. I'm like, man, this dude's been listening to Selena Gomez too much. And I don't fault him for that. That's a hot song. If you're ready, come and get it. I mean, he even looks like he he looks like Selena Gomez a little he bit. Looks like, like he looks like it. Yeah. Like that, he looks like a Selena Gomez fan. He's confident. Like he's not afraid to be confident. Like he says, they've got to come and get it. I'm the product. Like, what? What? You, you're the product. They got to come and get it. Like, that is Demi Lovato confidence if I've ever seen it. Like, that is Kanye West type of confidence right there. That's mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson confidence right there. Like, that is super confident, but that is definitely Selena Gomez. If the twins want it, go get it. Uh, but last one, quick one before we get out of here. Um, I, I, I love to do this because I'm, I'm going to give you guys each like 30 seconds. We're going to have to add a, a, a timer to this one too as we, we grow this uh, round table. We got to throw the three-minute timer in there every once in a while. Uh, but here's, here's where I'll go. Best 30 seconds of this. Kirk Cousins going into the bye week is considered one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL if he does what Sunday versus the Dolphins. I'm just going to go three touchdowns, no interceptions. Simple as that. If he throws three touchdowns, no interceptions, give it to him. Mm. I mean, that doesn't hurt. The stats have to be included in that conversation for sure. But I think if he leads the team back again, that'll be, what, four games now? And to lead the team back again, whether it's fourth quarter or two minutes, this guy puts his marching boots on, leads the team down. Detroit, it was just a three-play drive, hits Osborne in the corner. Uh, last week, it was, what, a 13-play drive. Mm -hmm. This guy, if he can show that he can be that leader, that guy that under pressure can lead the team back and be counted on as that quarterback that can kind of 
Tom Brady-esque lead a team back from a deficit when they need him the most, I think then he'll be included in that top 10 category. This is what I'll say. First, it's the start of the day. His swag has to be on point in South Beach. He's got to have the white suit or some kind of linen cream suit with a purple shirt with the chain. He's got to put the chain on, whether it's pregame, postgame. He's got to put the spinner chain back on. That's one. Two, he's got to throw for 350 yards. I need 350. I need four touchdowns. I need no interceptions. And I need about 30 to 40 yards with his legs. Like, I need about a 30-bucker. Give me a, a 105 passer rating. And then let's, let's just – I'm not going to be too greedy. Just give me 70% completions. If he goes 70% completions, he does all that. Justin Jefferson greedies. Adam Thielen does the shimmy. K.J. Osborne does the handshake with the guns. Kirk Cousins has to be considered as one of the top five quarterbacks. This whole Justin Fields thing should never be brought up again. I don't ever want to hear anybody bring up Justin Fields might be better than Kirk Cousins ever again. Kirk Cousins deserves the credit if he can do that. And I do agree with the bringing him back because he's done that all season long. And I want to make sure everybody remembers, Amazon, Fire, Roku, there's an app out there called Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can get all of our videos, all of our shows. You can get the Roundtable. You can get Superior Sports Talk. You can get the Ron Johnson Show. You can get uh, Luke Inman as the most like interesting person in the world on the football party with Luke Braun wearing a silver foil hat like you can get all of that just make sure you download it like subscribe you can check out our latest interviews cam bynum adam thielen robert griffith we have them all on there we had robert smith vikings running back make sure you go back and check all those videos out it's fun it's fast paced it's very interesting like comment and share let us know what you think also what happens is skylar thompson gonna have a better game than kirk cousins let us know what you think in the comments That'll do it for the Minnesota, Minnesota's roundtable on Locked On Sports, Minnesota.